no, no surprise to you who've been um, navigating this transition, but sometimes when you're, when you're in the middle of history being made, like a big chapter, it's hard to see it because you're in the middle of it. But this group, almost more than any other, you are navigating this and hold the pen to be able to write the chapter we're in and the next chapter. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. In June, the Edison Electric Institute proudly hosted EEI 2022, our first in-person annual conference in three years in Orlando, Florida. This thought leadership forum brought together electric power industry executives, senior government officials, and cutting-edge thought leaders from business and academia to discuss the many challenges and opportunities that we face as we work together to deliver a resilient clean energy future to customers. We were honored to have U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm as a keynote speaker, joining EEI Chair and Ameren Executive Chairman Warner Baxter to discuss the importance of industry-government partnership and the opportunities that we have to accelerate the transition to a clean energy economy. Today, you'll hear their full-length conversation with topics ranging from the clean energy transition to cybersecurity to supply chain resilience and much more. This is the first part of a three-part series featuring the highlights from EEI 2022. And it's never too early to mention that EEI 2023 will take place June 11th through 13th in Austin, Texas, so be sure to mark your calendars. Without further ado, here is the keynote session featuring Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and EEI Chair Warner Baxter. Well, good morning, everyone. I tell you what I'm very excited about today and honored is to be sitting here with the Department of Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. You know, it, um, it's always an honor when you have the opportunity to speak to the true leader in the energy space. And this is what we have here the, this morning. You know, Secretary Granholm was, uh, became the 16th uh, Secretary of Energy and only the second woman uh, to do so. But uh, I think um, for her to lead the Department of Energy is perfect because I'm not sure there's anyone who has more energy than you, Secretary, and, and passion around what we're gonna talk about today. And so, so number one, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We know just Thank how you. busy you are. Yeah, well, so glad to be here, and congratulations oh, on you. your ascension or, or condolences, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. And Jerry Anderson, I just have to say, I mean, he, uh, and because he obviously head of uh, DTE, and we're, we, when I was governor of Michigan, we went through the fires together. I don't know where he is. Uh, where is he? There you are. You know, I mean, we've, uh, understand what transition looks like and with the auto industry, et cetera. So, so uh, congratulations on your next role as well. Great to, great to be able to see that and to be with you. I know I have big shoes to fill. Well, Madam Secretary, uh, so much to talk about, so little time. So I'm, I'm just gonna jump right in. Now, one of the things that I wanna talk about first is something that I know is very near and dear to your heart as well as our industry and that's the bipartisan infrastructure law. Uh, no doubt, uh, this has been you know, a, a law that, that you know, we as an industry uh, were strong supporters of, and, and clearly we know we work very closely with you, and I had the great opportunity to be on a panel with Jigger Shah earlier this week, and we talked a lot about 
know, what we felt was so important and exciting about that, that piece of legislation. But I want to hear it from you. You know, what are the things that really excite you about the, the bipartisan infrastructure? Law? Yeah, uh, thanks. And thanks. Uh, you guys have been really, really helpful in getting that across. And hopefully we will see part two happen as well, which, of course, are the Indeed. tax credits associated with uh, clean energy. Um, but I am excited about a couple things. One is the emphasis that uh, is going to be placed on transmission. Mm -hmm. um, the transmission facilitation program, two and a half billion dollars. That's not as much as we would have loved to see, but it is a revolving fund, so it allows us to continue to invest in transmission. But in addition to that, the five billion dollars that was uh, re that's related to resilience, and as we all know, with these extreme weather events that continue to happen, that is critical. We've got to build smart uh, going forward, and we have to shore up. The, uh, the transmission that we already have. So those, that piece of things is really important. Second, I think I'm, uh, I, I'm excited about the investments in battery. We all know that energy storage is gonna help to make those uh, renewable resources more like baseload, more dispatchable, but the investments both in the research and uh, development, but also in the deployment and including in the processing of the critical minerals that are in the batteries, because we have had historically in this country, you know, not historically, but we have now no processing ability. It's all done in Asia. And so being able to strengthen our supply chains, strengthen our national and energy security by bringing that in-house, if you will, is really, really important. And then I love, um, I'm very excited about the EV, and I know you've been yes, very helpful absolutely. on that. The EV charging corridor, seven and a half billion dollars for that. Um, and I know this industry is gonna be super helpful both in installation and making sure we get this right. But we just, uh, this, the EV charging uh, is being done through a joint office with the Department of Energy and the Department of Transportation. I think um, Secretary Buttigieg uh, provided a message earlier as well. Uh, they just issued guidance, the office did, and that guidance I am excited about because it provides some parameters around what we expect to see as drivers. So f every 50 miles, not more than a mile off of these corridors, the first tranche of money is going out for corridors. The second tranche of money will be going out to get to places where charging is not already, whether it's in urban areas where there isn't a great penetration of electric vehicles or it's in rural areas where there isn't a great penetration of electric vehicles. The bottom line is the one-two punch there will make sure that we've got a great um, you know, saturation with electric vehicle charging and that the charging stations themselves have to have four ports and that they've got to be interoperable and that they have to be app enabled so that we can see whether there's a, an available charging spot uh, just off the route. All of that is very exciting. So you'll start to see that money go out. The plans are due from the states on October 1st, I mean, excuse me, August 1st. Once they are approved, they will, the money will start to flow. So you'll start to see that infrastructure being built up. And then I'm obviously very excited about the demonstration projects. Yeah. Uh, and that's in technologies that we're all excited about, whether it's um, advanced nuclear demonstration or um, hydrogen, clean hydrogen, or in carbon capture. All of those will create not just technologies that can be taken to scale, but hubs for economic activity yeah. around the country. And so we have uh, $9.5 billion for clean hydrogen. We have $10 billion for carbon capture. 
We have uh, $2.5 billion for advanced nuclear. So there's just a lot of stuff that's happening that is very exciting around the country. Um, let me just say this. We have, because these are new programs um, in terms of the demonstration hubs, we are um, putting out requests for information on a regular basis. And to the extent that you have information that we should be taking in, please respond to these requests for information so that we can formalize a funding opportunity announcement in the, in the most strategic way, uh, taking in the most amount of input, so. Yeah, that's terrific. You know, it is literally a once in a generation type of opportunity that we have with the bipartisan infrastructure law. And, and you hit on all the key things that really you know, make me excited. I tell you, I was talking to the secretary a little bit earlier. The one thing that, that is, I think, really special about this piece of legislation, it's bringing stakeholders together to talk about you know, what we can do to solve these infrastructure challenges and drive solutions. You know, stakeholders, it isn't just the, the, the utilities coming together, which we are. Uh, it's the universities, it's community leaders, right? These are folks that were, and of course the large energy users, working very closely together. And these are things that, not that we didn't do before, but now, you know, when we come together, it's not only going to help us accelerate innovation, but it's gonna help us do it right. And I think that's, that's really a piece that you probably underappreciate. But it's, 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 as you said, as we all get ready to try and access this funding um, is really important. And, and, and I will just say that the funding, so for example, for hydrogen hubs, that will come with strings attached, meaning that people yes. will have had to make sure that communities are brought along. Uh, make sure you're thinking about uh, high road jobs. Make sure that you are working with uh, environmental justice uh, communities that may be impacted. So we, we want to make it a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a much more, less siloed and more of a web um, for, for locating those hubs. Well, well said. I mean, who would have thought, but rightfully so, and I know that the folks that we're talking with, we're, we're, we're talking to the leader of the Urban League, right, Great. about this very issue, because, you know, they need to be at the table. And so this law uh, is really help pushing us towards that. So I think that's exciting. Now, I'm not, so I, I say this a little tongue-in-cheek. The easy part may have been getting the law passed, right? The, <laughs> next, the next piece, though, is implementing the yeah. law. And I know that you and your, your staff, you know, you have 60 new programs that you have to stand up, 12 that need to be expanded in terms of R, D, and D. And, and so a couple of questions there. You know, number one, significant challenges really just to get out of the box. Be interested in terms of how you, know, you and your department are handling that. And then secondly, now, what can we as an industry do to help you move this along? Thanks for that. Well, so all of you who are running uh, large organizations know that change is, um, you know, it's an opportunity, but it's a challenge to work through. In this case, the funding from the infrastructure law sent $62 billion through the Department of Energy. Historically, the Department of Energy has been a research, development, and small-scale demonstration um, department. We have the 17 national labs. We are really focused on the science. This gives us another D, research development, demonstration, and deployment. Yeah. And so we have created a whole new, um, in, we've reorganized the department. We have a whole new undersecretary for infrastructure. 
And in that Undersecretary for Infrastructure, the vast majority of those 60 new programs will be. Mm -hmm. That will include the Joint Office, for example, with the Department of Transportation about rolling out the EV infrastructure charging. That will include the Office of Clean Energy Demonstrations, and that will be that large-scale demonstration, that's, that's will, that will be where the hydrogen hub is, hubs are, the carbon capture, all of those big demonstration projects will run through that uh, office, which require a different skill set, new muscles to exercise from what we had before. Yep. So we have, uh, it's very matrixed. Um, we very much have uh, overlay. So for example, we have a hydro hydrogen you know, group inside of the department that is overseeing and informing, but we also have to have folks who understand how to do major projects. And so that office is being set up. Our grid deployment office to be able to uh, do the, the, uh, both the transmission facilitation um, funding as well as the resiliency funding. Um, uh, there's money, uh, we, have a new, we have an advanced manufacturing office that will be working uh, as well on the advanced, the decarbonization of industry, et cetera. So we've got a whole series of uh, offices that are now in there, and so we're hiring. Uh, any of you who are, we're hiring a clean energy core, we're gonna hire about 700 people, 700 to 1,000 people over time. This uh, funding is being distributed over five years, and so we wanna make sure we get in the level of expertise that are necessary to make sure that these programs are a go, and so project managers, for example, uh, those who understand logistics, those who understand how to do federal contract management, uh, all of that will be our, our necessary skills that we are hiring for. So super exciting time at the Department of Energy. And you know, it's really amazing. As, as we all know, as the billions of dollars of projects that we manage, you know, project management is really important. It is. And making sure you get the right skill sets, and it's tough in this economy to get the right skill sets for all the things you're trying to, to, to get done. And so, I know, so any of you out so there. So that's a, yeah, that's a request. You asked how we can help. Say. Feel free to send uh, folks over to us uh, if you want us to poach any of you. We'll, we'll have a sign-up sheet at, as you walk out the door. You know, um, hey, there's one other thing that I forgot to mention that's in this uh, infrastructure uh, bucket, this uh, Undersecretary for Infrastructure, is that the weatherization assistance program yes. has been moved over in that uh, in that realm as well. And so we've been given an additional three and a half billion dollars for additional weatherization. And to the extent on the demand side strategy of reducing uh, demand and hopefully bringing down costs for people, that's a that's going to be a big push inside of that uh, infrastructure bucket too. Well, so as we've started the implementation, we're we're six months in. And, um, and I know that our industry has been working very closely with your department. So we're, we're grateful that you, you have the open doors for us to, to try and figure it out with you and that you've given us a couple of to-dos as we walk out of here to make sure as we go through the funding process to raise our hand to see if there are things that we can do. And yeah, so staffing, you know, we're a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but, but not necessarily, right? Uh, I know that there, there, there are opportunities for sometimes we have those in our industry go work in government right, uh, to, to try and support. So if, if any of you have any of those out there, any folks like that, give that some thought. Even on a, even on a time-limited basis, you know? Yeah, yeah well, uh, internship, so I, we, it is true. So um, Director Easterly was here, and it's exactly what she was talking about yesterday, you know, just a, a brief internship or something like that. So it's, it's an opportunity. So I wanna switch gears, if we could, a little bit, uh, and move to something that, uh, the next thing you said, the, the, earlier a moment ago, the second piece that we have to get done mm -hmm. in terms of the clean energy transition around 
policy, and that relates to the clean energy tax credits. And we collectively have an industry, we've been crystal clear that this is one of our top priorities to get across the finish line, because we know it isn't just about moving the clean energy transition along and perhaps more rapidly, but it gets to customer affordability. Because we as an industry, we're, we're different than many. When we get these clean energy tax credits, they go directly back to our customers, so we know the real benefits. So as you think about the things going on in Capitol Hill, and I know Congress is thinking through these things, be interested in your perspectives in, in terms of you know, what we can expect out of Capitol Hill, but more importantly, or maybe as important, what can we do to continue to support to try and get those clean energy tax Well, your voice is very important, as you know, uh, and um, continuing to press the point that you just made, which is that this is a way to reduce costs for people because those, those tax credits would get passed uh, passed down in the, in the form of lower rates. So that message, I'm just not sure, has, um, you know, has taken hold as much as it could. Yes. So to continue to, to do that. I am actually, though, uh, feeling quite optimistic that we are going to get a version of the tax credits that, uh, I mean, you know, it might be a little bit different. It will be a little bit different than what we initially proposed, but I feel... Um, you know, perhaps it's because of the invasion of Ukraine and the notion that energy markets are so, um, uh, you know, are so vulnerable to price volatility if, uh, you know, if, you're, if you have an invasion from a large exporter of fossil energy like Russia. And I think there is a sensitivity now, or a, 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 certainly a growing awareness on Capitol Hill about the importance of our energy security mm. by building out our own clean energy future. When we are seeing gas prices, gasoline prices at $5 uh, a, a gallon, you know, that, that is such a shock to people and such a pain for certainly people on fixed incomes. And so I think that in Congress, there is an understanding that this it, that is so important to invest in the technologies that will allow us to be free from fossil fuels being weaponized and the volatility of the fossil fuel market because so much of it is global. So I think uh, because of that, you will see, uh, I hope, I want to knock on, <laughs> on wood, that, um, that I think you will really see uh, an appetite, hopefully in this reconciliation bill for these clean energy tax credits as a way for us to become energy, clean energy independent, energy independent too. You know, well said, Secretary. And, and as, you know, as I think about this, if there's ever a time to really marry two incredible pieces of legislation, the, the bipartisan infrastructure law with clean energy tax credits, now's the time yeah. to, to, to separate those for some period of time. I think it just will, will slow down yeah. The, the transition, but as we said before, this is all about customer affordability as well. I, I, you real. know, I often say this affordability piece is so important. So I say that the infrastructure law is really the backbone of this of our uh, energy future. The um, bipartisan, uh, excuse me, the uh, tax credits are really the lungs, mm. and don't forget the bipartisan innovation uh, act, which really will get yes. us the chips, et cetera. That's really the brain. So all are needed for us to be able to thrive. I love that. That's terrific. So we've talked a lot about 
legislation and policy. Uh, one of the things that I look around the room that we all think about as we move into the summer season you know, is making sure that the grid is resilient and reliable and making sure that we're ready for the storm season and rest assured, you know, this organization, this group is ready. But I know these are things that are certainly at the top of your mind. So as we move into this summer season, as you talk to folks across the country and frankly across the world, but especially across the country, now, what are some of the things that, uh, that, that the Department of Energy is really focused on? Well, first of all, I mean, thank you for this question and thank you for the partnership. I mean, I, if, you know, we are so grateful to be having an open line of communication. Um, obviously, you know, EEI and through the electric, Electricity Sector Coordinating Council to be able to have a direct line in case of, and we know, you know, we know these extreme weather events continue to happen. I think we have to think differently about extreme weather events as being a 100 year event or a 500 year flood, or because it's gonna just continue to happen. So this, this aspect of your work, of our work and of our work together is just so important and it is so important we stay lashed up. So number one, the open line of communication is really important. The fact that um, we are working together on um, making sure we're planning for this summer. What are we hearing? How do we get uh, help from one place to another in whatever form it's necessary? Uh, that ESCC is, is just really uh, critical. I don't, is Bill Furman here? Is, I know he's chairing. He was here earlier, but I think he, he, had, had, to to, go. he, he had to go. Yeah, and Tom Fanning, of course, of before course. him. I mean, that, that relationship is very important. That ESCC has actually set up a tiger team yes. on supply chain. And uh, I think there's a meeting today at noon, by the way, if anybody wants to join. Um, but that issue of making sure we've got the, the right supplies in the right places at the right time, in addition to the manufacturing of the right supplies, but you know, for example, this ESCC is working on inverter standards yes. to make sure we get that right. So this, uh, I, I think what's most important is that this open line of communication allows us to collaborate and because emergencies happen in different forms and different ways all across the country, making sure we've got the right pieces of right emergency orders, the right pieces of equipment, the right help uh, in the right place at the right time for the right kind of uh, weather emergency is really important. So we're really grateful for that. Oh, we're grateful to, to your department in terms of how you're helping us in the, in the administration. And there, there have been supply chain challenges uh, and on things that I, you know, we consider blocking and tackling right, transformers, cables, these types of things. And so those delays put at risk, certainly, you know, our customers, right, in terms of trying to, to, to get them back on as quickly as possible. So we're grateful for, for that. And uh, rest assured, you know, we're going to continue to keep the, the lines of communication open. And the one thing we all know about here is mutual aid, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's right. just a hallmark of our industry and, and we will continue to, to continue to move forward in that way. So that was sort of near-term supply chain. Now, I'd like your perspectives on sort of long-term supply chain and trying to get more domestic manufacturing of some of these things here. What, uh, what are some of your perspectives? I'm so, this makes me smile so much because having been, having been governor of Michigan when we lost so much of our manufacturing base um, because people could manufacture so cheaply abroad, this notion of having an industrial strategy on the energy side, but in yeah. terms of other uh, critical supplies, just makes me so 
happy. <laughs> you know, we're competing in a, in a global environment where other countries uh, have no qualms about having state-owned enterprises, for example, build up their supply chains. We don't do it that way in the United States, but we do have public-private partnerships and government, uh, in this case, the Biden administration really wants to support the buildup of these industries in the United States for the long haul. And so the president, first of all, the Department of Energy put out a series of 13 reports earlier this year about supply chains in the energy sector that had gaps and we, where we needed to, well, for example, transformers, right? Yes. And so the follow-up to that, of course, was the, the President's uh, Defense Production Act um, uh, announcement, which we are trying to get funded now through Congress. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure we're building transformers in the United States. We want to make sure that we are building solar in the United States and that we are not just relying uh, upon panels coming from, um, from Xinjiang, for example, where there may be um, forced labor uh, inputs. We, we want to make sure that we are being able to have the supplies for batteries, which is another, uh, another uh, Defense Production Act activity that the president took on and that was, is being done through the Department of Defense. The other uh, technologies, for example, heat pumps, um, insulation, inverters, uh, and so solar supply chain, that's all being done through the Department of Energy. And, um, and as I say, we're working on getting that funded through, through Congress. But I think the philosophy around this, that we are stronger as a nation if we have the means to our own energy security here. Um, from, you know, when we first started talking about this in the transformer issue, for example, it was a matter of cyber. And we wanted to make sure that we were building um, transformers here because we want to make sure that they are, you know, that we're, they're trusted. It's a trusted, uh, you know, a trusted uh, piece of equipment. Uh, now it is also about just our energy security overall, that the full supply chain of these technologies being built in the United States is important for the strength of the nation. And I think that's really the, um, you know, the push that the Biden administration is putting on this as a result of making sure we've got good paying long-term jobs that people see in themselves. The ability to power this nation for the next hundred years, this includes fossil fuel workers. We wanna make sure that we are um, building out the supply chains and building out the energy solutions in a way that allows them to transition too, as we are, as we are looking at, for example, one of my, uh, I, have a, I love geothermal. <laughs> And um, I think that a lot of the folks who are doing extraction in fossil now, which when we want them to increase their fossil extraction right now, because we of course have supply, have a supply crunch, but at, we also want to, for them to see the opportunities in subsurface extraction of heat through geothermal. Yes. And there's a lot of skill set matches that are, that are happening. So that whole suite of technologies that get us to 100% clean electricity by 2035 is a whole suite of job opportunities across the country that the Biden administration wants to make sure happens here. Stamped, made in America. Well, you know, when we, when we had all these conversations with Congress and, and one of our, our, our key partners is labor, right? We were with the IBEW, Lonnie Stevenson. We said, you know, these are real opportunities for us to, to try and grow a base here to create good paying jobs for all of our skilled labor and for those that have to transition from the fossil plants. And so, and there's no doubt if, you know, being here for the last three days and, and you know, Madam Secretary, we were talking about this before. You know, energy security is something that we, we talked about being important before, but 
probably over time, we've probably taken a little bit for granted. We're not taking it for granted now. So all these things you've been talking about, whether it be supply chain, whether it be uh, energy supply, whether it be cybersecurity, all reliability, resiliency of the grid, all these things are truly critical for our country to continue to grow. And so we appreciate your leadership there. And as I said before, we, we appreciate you taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to visit with us today. So we're running close to being out of time, but I wanted to just pause and see if there's anything else, Secretary Granholm, that you want to share with the audience before we, we let you get on your way. Um, well, thanks for that. Um, I think uh, perhaps it's just to remind us that um, I think we're in the middle of this amazing historic moment in energy. No, no surprise to you who have been um, navigating this transition, but sometimes when you're, when you're in the middle of history being made, like a big chapter, it's hard to see it because you're in the middle of it. But this group, almost more than any other, you are navigating this and hold the pen to be able to write this next, the chapter we're in and the next chapter. And with everything we're seeing geopolitically, with the weaponization of energy uh, abroad, with these extreme weather events that we had to pay $150 billion last year in the United States alone just to clean up after. Mm. This group, almost more than any other, are the authors of our, of our energy future. And I know that we're, it's, you know, these are not easy choices, and I know that Everybody's different in different regions, but I do know we're all seeing it, and I hope you're feeling it. And I just want to say thank you for your decision to exercise leadership at this moment, and that we are here not from the top down, but as a partner from the bottom up. Whatever it is you need, we're grateful for this partnership. So let's do this. Thank you. Madam Secretary, on behalf of everyone here, we just want to thank you for your incredible leadership. We take what you, your words to heart, what you just said, because, you know, I, I always like to say to our coworkers, you know, it's an honor and a privilege to work in this industry because, you know, we have a purpose. And I think Boy. just as you, you spelled out there, it was a purpose. And working with you on these things, we're going to do great things together. Thank you again great. for thank being you. here. Thank you. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.